All right, welcome back to Tundra Talk, everybody. I'm Tyler Friel, and apologize for the little bit of delay. I know at least the three of you that are paying attention are wondering, wanting to hear some sheep stories and start getting to that tonight. That's been kind of I've been trying to organize the the stooges, <laughs> Frank and Nick and Temple and everybody to get, just get everybody in one spot. It's kind of challenging with moose season already rolling, so. Um, should start rolling that stuff out pretty soon but anyway uh did manage to get get a hold of steve hollenbeck my good buddy and uh before he heads back out into the woods and you just got uh did did the first half of sheep season guiding right yes yeah we started on the 7th and we got home the 25th 26th yep so yeah that that whole time was up in the northeastern brooks range yeah, you were gone. I was I was out back in town. Did I even I don't even know, did I even tell you the story like with my rain gear and stuff? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. And tent I, and <laughs> it's nice with inreach anymore. You can hear what your buddies are doing. Yeah. You know, and I I was paying attention to you and I had a couple buddies who were twenty miles north of me. You know, what they were what they were battling with weather and Yeah, uh, that's that's really changed things. I mean, not just from the safety perspective, but um I mean, you're stuck in your tent. You're stuck in your tent, you know, every night, especially like me hunting by my, <laughs> hunting by myself for the first, the first half of it anyway. Um, it's like, it's kind of nice to get in the tent and see what everybody's getting into all across the yep. state. But yeah, that was, that was a shit show. I was not happy. No, that was still uh, not, still not happy. And I keep thinking, cause I was just flashing back as I was walking out. You know, we were talking. I think it might have been the last one, last podcast we did. We were talking about, oh, oh, well, you know, if it's raining really bad, you're going to be in your tent. I'm like, well, not if your fucking tent is exploding yeah. on you and you got to walk out. <laughs> yeah. Which you know, like, yeah, I mean, it, you know, there's always this say, oh, I should have had a tougher tent, but that the hubba hubba is like, it's not, it's not the beefiest tent in the world, but it's. I've had, in some, I've had it in some yeah. pretty sketchy stuff. I mean, this was bad. Was it just a wind issue is what did it? Oh, it? yeah. It was, I, I couldn't believe it. You know, sometimes, I don't know if you've had, because you, do you still use the single, the one man, the hubba? I haven't lately, but, you know, it. it I still think they're solid tents. Yeah, they, uh, well, I know the two man, two times I've had to brace up the end and the way that, that hubba works, it's, you know, it's a pretty lightweight tent even the hubba hub is like it's like three pounds or something like that but um there's a joint basically a aluminum ring that three poles come into mm-hmm. on each end of the tent and if you take a super strong wind on the end of the tent it can flip those poles the poles are bending out it can flip them in and kind of invert that and kind of invert that and lay down like push down the end of your tent and that's happened two times. I mean, blowing really bad, like 50 miles an hour or yeah. more, um, just got caught in bad spots. And I, both times I just collapsed my trek and pull, jam it in the ground and use it to brace that end and guy, tie a guy line to the end of the trek and pull and no issue. The other, if you're taking a side wind, that piece that goes across the top, yeah. that's just kind of floating there, it can, you, you know, you're. You have a lot more surface area on the side, so it can kind of push your tin in sideways. So one time, I think it was last year down at Toke, I it didn't have much choice in the direction to, to put my tent, so I was taking a sidewind, and I just 
pop my trekking pole under the end of that pole to support it so it can't collapse the tent and it sheds the wind a little better. Well, I mean, I was, uh, woke me up at like 1030. First, it was, you know, it was a side wind and I knew it was, the wind was picking up a little bit before I went to bed. So I braced it with that trekking pole and, uh, I don't think I'd guide it out though. I just stuck it up there. So the first thing I ended up doing when trekking pole kept popping out was tie the, just tie a guy line to a big rock inside my rain slide so it wouldn't move and nurse that for a while. Then the wind was like, I mean, it was doing weird stuff. It was swirling around the end of my tent. It was coming. If I'm sitting in my tent, looking at the foot of the tent, it's coming from right to left. Mm-hmm. And that's what it had been, but then it started swirling around to the foot and laid that, you know, collapse that in. So I got out, guide my other trek and pull under that to support that. Sitting there, you know, wondering like, man, should I go to bed? Like, can't get much worse than this. How long is it going to blow like this? Then it started swirling around and laying down the head of my tent. So I had to just like sit there and hold it up. And I'm like, fuck, this can't get like, how can it get any worse, you know? I mean, this was worse than that time we were stuck on that glacier goat hunting. Right. I mean, worse than that. And uh, finally, yeah, I mean, I, I broke a guy line broke, and I went out to fix it. I fixed it and was trying to beef up my windbreak and got dead calm for like three seconds, and one big gust just snapped poles, laid it flat. And I'm like, shit, guess I'm walking home. Yeah. But uh, in the situation, just deteriorated from there, so... I mean, every, everything's just a chance, but I, I mean, I, I'm not totally turned off using that tent ever again. And it was five years old, and I've heard they have since come out with stronger poles, a stronger pole system for it, but I don't know. I mean, tents can only take so much, no matter what, how much testing they say they do yeah. in these things and wind tunnels and all that. Um, what beats wind down is heavier weight tents and better pole designs yep which in that aspect you pay a weight penalty yeah so you weigh am i going to have strong winds do i think i need this or is this two and a half pound three pound tent so it's yeah of course it's always one of those things that you struggle with you know i'm on this time i'm going i'm the same aspect right now i have a really ultra lightweight um Big Agnes, mm-hmm. um, lightweight two-person tent that has served me really well up there in the Brooks Range in the early seasons. Yep. Or do I take my five-pound, four-and-a-half-pound hilly that is really good in the wind? Do I take that one? I, I'm bringing it, but, you know depending on what the weather forecast is going to be is what I'm going to have in my backpack. Yeah. And that's cause I don't want to wish I had that when I could just throw that one in there and yeah. you know, I it, need to do some tent shopping apparently. Cause I like five, five pounds, of the heavy tent. I had this, the tri- second trip. I just took my old REI four season, like Mount Everest tent. Mm-hmm. That's like nine pounds. It ain't going to blow. No, it ain't going to get, cru- yeah. it ain't going to crush, but, uh, yeah, I think uh, I I think a Hilleberg is. If I didn't care, if somebody else was packing my tent around, that's what we would be in. Yep, all the time. There wouldn't be any other option. Yep, and uh, even those sometimes. I mean, I know with the uh, John Whipple who went I went goat hunting with a couple of years ago. They had two or three Hillebergs blow up on Kodiak on them, and they you know it's, it's but it's 
like it is just a matter of is everything bad going to line up are you going to exactly. have that freak storm that you see once in 15 20 years mm-hmm. at the time you're camped in this specific spot that's vulnerable to it right it is obviously it. you know you know sheep hunting you're not you're usually picking the best of the bad camping spots yes that's that's a fact and you probably most times i'm leaning towards a flat ground and you're not thinking of super high wind and you know the some of this but again some of our places that we go to it all just lines up and three or four poor just not decisions but poor uh circumstances circumstances turn into a shit show yeah and that's what happened with you i mean that's odd bottom line yeah big time you know if if you wouldn't have been in that spot and, and it had been a little better wind protected it your tent probably would have been all right. But if you'd have been in that spot and you didn't have the winds, you'd have been all right. Yep. It just, they all came together. Oh, unfortunately. yeah. And even that's like kind of after my rant on the rain gear and I still like feel the same, like I'm not going to use the stuff again. Yeah. It, uh, there is that argument like, well, you're, you're rolling the dice. I mean, for me, I just can't see paying that much, you know, even with like a guide discount or whatever, I can't see paying that much for, rain gear that's like man if shit really hits the fan and it's just like one very critical piece of survival gear i think most of you know most of the time it's like a insurance comfort thing it is you know and that's how it's easy to get in that mindset of looking at it like that um because it's going to be super rare if, if you half know what you're doing it's going to be super rare that you're going to be freaking hanging out there with your shit in the breeze. Right. I, <laughs> Literally. Uh, I, uh, on the rain gear deal, nothing in heavy downpours and heavy downpours with wind, rubber rain gear cannot be beat no matter what anybody tells me. I don't care if yeah. it was the, you know, who is telling me what you cannot beat rubber rain gear. Yeah. I, commercial fishermen who are constantly, they work in this stuff. What do they use? Mm-hmm. Rubber rain gear period in the story there is not oh well no rubber rain gear yeah weight penalty a little bit like you know that and i can't remember the specific numbers but i did i weighed yeah you did i weighed that sickest storm front and the grunden's neptune which is very much like the heli hansen Mm -hmm. you know kind of a pvc coated like stretchy it's kind of middle of the road durable it's not like heavy rubbers but um it really wasn't much, that much Does heavier. Does it give it a hundred percent? Is it is it rubber? Where I mean, yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, it's yeah. It, it'll. I mean, you can hold water, pour water right. in it for a week. You know. Yeah, and you know the other penalty on that one is everybody will argue that well, I wear that and I get wet from the inside, and I think that's there's some truth to that. I just don't know how much truth to that. I think there's some truth, but you're not going to fill up your fucking boots with water from sweat. <laughs> That's right. what I mean for me that's that's was that's like if I ta- if I have one takeaway from that whole experience that's I what would, it is. I would what I would like to see is a I I like my money that I spend to go to hunter friendly. Yeah. No matter what our thoughts are cuz I I use all uh, Sitka um uh, QU um cryptic i i use all of them. Mm-hmm. i get guide discounts so i'm not paying the full top dollar for them 
<clears throat> I like the cuts, how they feel on me. Um, well, and different companies have different stuff that right. like is. Yeah. I spend way you know? too much. I know I do, but <laughs> with that being said, I like to spend my money on companies that are hunter friendly. Mm-hmm. I do not want to give my money to companies that are straight up against the things that I love to do. Um, no matter how good their product is, what I would like to see is one of these top three companies produce a rubber rain gear for guys like that. Yeah. Th- there is a market for this. And I don't oh, I think, think so it's too. a niche market. I think it is a legitimate market for a rain gear set that is rubber 100% whatever they put in, you know, I have yeah. a, well, there's a lot of things they could do to easily improve on like the fit and fit and comfort. You know, you are, you, you're just going to sweat in it. There's, there's that aspect, but there's a lot of things that they could easily improve on that would be worth another, you know, hundred or 200 bucks and, to me for a set. Cause you're, you're, you know, you're Helly Hansen and Grundens and they're hunter friendly. They're not like, right. They're not giving you like they're not hunting Stone companies, is, but right? They're, yeah, their their company Stone Glacier two percent of their money is going towards a conservation. They what they bring. I mean, that's a pretty cool deal. So I one hundred percent believe. I know I would be buying it. Yeah, for sure. And I buy the other stuff too, but that would be in my 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 gear that I bring to the strip. Yep. I don't a rubber set of rain gear is always. Something I I tend to leave it back on my early hunts. Um, probably this hunt I'm going on next, I won't because it's a strictly backpack. It'll be in my truck. Yeah, it's just not going to be. It won't be in my backpack. It's, I'm just going to choose the you know if we did get that kind of weather and whatnot. Yeah, you know. I don't know. I've done that quite a few times where you take. With several pieces of gear, you take like two options with you, and then make up your mind at the last minute what to throw yeah, in. Yeah, you've you've got to, and the um, but I do. I believe there is a market for that. I would like to see some of these, you know, companies, you know, somebody produce one because some there will be hunters. I guarantee in Alaska that will be buying it. Oh yeah, you know the Kodiak hunters. You know that's a definite place that I I would want rubber rain gear, mm-hmm. but. The colors that I got to, I mean, I like camouflage. I mean, period. It may not even help. I don't know. It helps my mind, yeah. which is half the battle, right? That Yeah, um, guys like your, mind's like you, you know, need yeah. all the help you can get. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> so we, uh, yeah, I ended up buying a, um, which Sitka was kind of a, uh, I was, when when I talked to their rep on the phone, it was like, oh, we we're discontinuing this because I've seen this this piece of gear that they had that it was it's called the kodiak jacket have you seen that i heard of it yeah i mean it's it, well and they don't they only they released that just it was only like one year, year ago yeah huh. so um it it goes down to your the top of my kneecap yeah where when you wear rubber hip boots where does most of your rain gear end at about just two a, inches above yeah. where my hip so yeah. i've got this gap that the rain just rolls right down into there. Yeah. So on a hip boot hunt where you can just have a long jacket or you get like like guys already do the long Helly Hansen jackets. Right, exactly. Yeah. Where this is a triple layer, straight up triple layer Gore-Tex, which is a top, of the, that's as much as you're going to get. 
you know, QU has their AAA or whatever. Uh, but this, uh, this another thing for me is when I'm riding my ATV into some of my moose hunting areas where I am in my hip boots. Mm-hmm. And I always, I had like four or five inches of area that on my pants that yeah. the stuff just ro- rolled into. So I got a double extra large for me riding on my ATV. And if you're horse hunting, same yeah. kind of deal. And this thing also allows, you can fold up the bottom so it's a little longer than a normal length oh, if you gotcha. didn't want to have that down there. So it's not something that's going to go in my backpack on this hunt. Yeah. But say a Kodiak hunt where I want to, it really actually is a pretty good deal, but they just didn't. Or sick it said brown they bear hunt on the peninsula. Correct. Which... Yeah, that trip that reminds me. I because I brought hip boots on that trip. I did bring, I did bring one set of boots. I just remember freezing my ass off a couple of well, days. That was in a, those hip boots. That was uh, 2012. That yeah. was a, actually a notable exception of a year for coldness, where they lost a lot of. They said a lot of bear cubs. There's a big huh. age gap. I mean, they actually changed the season this year. They shortened it, oh, wow. and they actually attribute that to that. 2012 season from the biologists that I talked to. It down was there. yeah. I just remember it was. I mean, we cold. we're in the middle of May down yes. there, and it's snowing and yep, freezing. I think we we went into Kodiak or into King Salmon Airport, and no, I mean we did awesome. That yeah. was one of the best bear yeah. hunts I've ever actually was my best bear hunt I've ever been on as far as successful. They've all been successful, but this one we seen a lot. Oh yeah, it, you know, it, yeah, it was a little chilly, but for. It was still was oh, a good Oh, it was good fine, yeah. Yes. And how many bears we've seen, the quality of bears we've seen, the good time yeah. we had down there, that will be a hard hunt for brown bear hunts for me to, to uh, you know, beat. Oh, that. yeah. I mean, yeah, that was a hoot. Oh, and then we, we go back, three resident hunters, and, <laughs> I mean, we must have talked to half a dozen guided hunt. Nope, nothing, nothing, nothing. nothing. Didn't see nothing. And one dude was visibly pissed off. Yeah. I think, I think we've seen, what because we saw probably 35 bears. Yep. And yep. I mean, a couple monsters. We sh- Yeah. Mine was 9.6. Yours was 9.10. Gary just wanted to a good hear hide the gun and, go off. Yeah, but so a good hide He bear. got an awesome hide bear. And, I mean, he picked that bear and then yep. saw the, the one that oh, got yeah. away that was, yeah, that was nuts. But, it was a uh, good hunt. So Yeah. Anyway. That was as uh, far as. Weather-wise, it was cold, but I don't think we had many um, no-hunt days due to weather. No, no, we didn't. I, yeah, I just remember when we went around in, into that other that other valley that we had to wait for low tide. I just remember freezing my ass off in my, oh, yeah. in my hip boots. Yep, oh, sitting I, on that rock point, sitting on, yeah. waiting for the tide to go. Rocks falling down yep. from the cliffs above. Donnie and, and I had the same thing, exact, I mean, we were in the exact same spot. yeah. Because we couldn't get across on the tide either. And, you know, I knew it going over there that we might. So we were prepared for it. Mm -hmm. But uh, we hit it to where we didn't spend two hours. We only spent an hour there. Yeah. So. um, Well, we went back a little soon. It was like, oh, we might be able to make it around by now. And and we were sitting in the exact same spot (laughs) waiting the tide out. Yeah. But, yeah, that was a a freaking awesome hunt. But, yeah, man, I want to hear how your hunts went. This year up, up in the in Brooks. The Brooks. Yeah. So I had um, one hunter. First hunter was out of uh, Pennsylvania. His name was Bruce. Yeah, 66-year-old guy, tough as nails. I mean, he uh, 
I start talking to my clients. I like to start talking to them, build some kind of relationship with them through phone and text about six weeks out. And that's what I did with him. I, the outfitter that I worked for, I'm like, look, Aaron, I want to get these guys' names. I want to you know, know who they are, what they're looking for. So I got them. He had me get us some gear for him, and which I like doing. You know, mm-hmm. uh, one thing I, you know, the outfitting, the contracting outfitter may be the dude that's being paid, but it's I'm the one that's in the field with the guys. Yeah, you got to deal with the <laughs> if there's any issues yeah. or hey, you have that gear. Why didn't you tell me that? So I I wanted to avoid all that. I started doing this last year. I give my guys my list that I go up there with. Yeah. So they have have the option of having anything that I come up with, you know, they could have got. Mm-hmm. So it's not like they didn't know. And Bruce, the first hunter, man, he, oh, yeah, I'll take that, that, that. I mean, he sent me a, I don't know, a $1,000 check worth of stuff that I had gotten for him. Mm-hmm. He says, I can walk really well. I, you know, I'm not going to quit. I've been wanting to do this for a while. The one thing I do get is cold. I don't want to be cold. And he first was talking about a negative 10 bag or a zero. I'm like, like, let's just hold up on that one a little bit. A 15-degree bag will be just fine. Yeah, I guarantee, a good 15-degree yes, yeah. bag will be just fine. Um, I says that I got this Gore-Tex outer layer that not a lot of guys run, but I want it all the time. It's this. I mean, I laid it out price-wise what they were going to get, and he was really happy with it. So kind of the gear prep went down good. Um, I always have my guys when they show up. We I try to pick them up at the airport and meet up with them, um, you know, do that kind of thing. And uh, when we get up there, there's this kind of a shit show with a, with a commercial bush flights as you're going mm-hmm. up. I mean, I failed to warn them, look, it's a shit show. Just be prepared for it. It's, you know, three days before sheep season. There's all kinds of people trying to get all kinds of places in interior Alaska. And just, you know, take that with a grain of salt. But once we get up there, you know, it'll it'll go smooth, which yeah. it did. You know, they shoot your rifles there at the strip. Make sure everything is good. Kind of have a plan. Uh, when we landed, I mean, we actually, I personally saw the largest ram that I seen on my trip on uh, August 7th and 8th. I saw Mm. them two days in a row. (laughs) So right from the strip. I mean, if that would have been the opener, you know, when we landed, (coughs) we'd have just walked across the next day. I'd actually walked that day, got within about a half a mile of him, three quarters of a mile, waited until I could legally shoot him. Yep. And that's how I'd have done it. But, you know, our our plans kind of changed when... I seen him on the 7th, the night of the 7th, mm-hmm. seen him on the 8th, even better, and they bedded on a big rock hillside, and I didn't see him on the 9th, but we ended up killing a really good grizzly on the 9th, a, a, between a 10 and 14-year-old boar. Oh, nice. 212-yard shot. We did a, about a 800-yard stock to him. It just went just like textbook. Yeah. Um, so... Again, kind of the when hunting that far north in that area, when you arrive, you arrive three days before the season opens for sheep, but you have caribou and grizzly season going on. Mm-hmm. So you can't legally hunt that first day, but you can start the next on the 8th we started. So it's always nice to get a grizzly out of the way or a caribou out of the way. Oh, and yeah. 
it, this bear was it. I don't think we'd have passed him up if we were right in the middle of sheep season. Yeah, he was that good, that close. We got the bear, skinned him out, got some good photos, and he was 900 yards from the strip. Nice, can't beat that. Nope. When it doesn't, especially when it does, that's always the balance. Is like, uh, do you like you know how many gigantic bull caribou could we have shot over the years? But All right. It's going to screw up your sheep hunting. So we um, got him skinned out, back at camp, fleshed him out, got him salted down, and uh, got him in the shade. And, you know, the, the client was, I'm not a big fan of salt. The owning outfitter knows I'm not. He has kind of a mandated thing. He wants salt done on it. The client, I think, was talked into that. Hmm. I just don't, I think. Most taxidermists will say that, you know, unless everything is done exactly how they want it, they'd rather not have salt on them in the field. Yeah, I mean, especially if, with if, good weather. If you it's, can, if the I mean, meat I is, could, I can do it. You know, like I can, having done it. Yes, a you are. Times, very, you're a professional when it comes to this. I'm not a novice, but I'm not at the level of a taxidermist where you are or above. As far as yeah, turning I mean, and stuff. that's just it's all. I mean, yeah, just to clarify, like that's what you're talking about. Yep. Is like if it's if it's if it's you can't, and a lot of times in the field, if you don't, you know, have a flesh and beam and stuff like it's bears, especially man, like like a fall bear that's real fatty. If you don't have a flesh and beam, like it's so tough to get all that fat out. And is a worst case scenario if you got assault them. You know, and you got you get the lips and ears and eyes and stuff. That to- for me on the the fleshing is not as a problem for me. I try to do it when yeah. I'm. I'll you take- try to clean skin. Yeah, you're slow as shit. It skin is and stuff, no, but, I, but your it. stuff is skinned way cleaner yes. than I ever do it. Right, mine. It's I would rather do it there. Yep. I want white. Is what I tell all my all the clients that are helping. I'm mm-hmm. like, I don't have a problem with you helping. Just this is what it has to be. It cannot be any other color but this, which is pure white when you're taking it off. That little membrane is of hot yeah. meat that sometimes – I don't want that Yeah. because I got to do it back there, yeah. and I don't want to do it back there. And see, yeah, that's just a difference. Like I'd rather do it right later. My, my thing is uh, the lips, turn the lips, the mm-hmm. eyes. I Yes, I can do it, but I probably need to have a – really good instruction from you at times yeah. that, Hey, this is exactly what you're doing here. My take on the, on doing that and no salt. And if my meat is not going bad, I, in it is my yeah. other, is it? No, no, especially if you've got nice, cool weather right. and you, and you take care of, you know, like keep it clean, you know, keep the dirt off of it and the moss yep. and stuff like that. Out of let the it, sun. let it air off, cool out. Yep. And those, you know, like those bear hides, a lot of times if you can get that skin cold at night yep. and you, you know, you fold them up. Where it's cold to the, like if you put your hand on yeah. it for two or three seconds, you're, it's going to be cold. Like, ooh, that's cold. Yeah, you know? which is not, is not out of the norm up in the brooks. No, you know? and not at all. So, you know, then you fold it up, that hair will actually insulate it and keep it cooler a little longer, you know. So we had, you know, we had that done midday on Actually, the ninth. We we had him actually prepped, good to go by uh, opening day of sheep season. So midday, that's kind of a penalty we had to pay. And I, he knew that going into that. Mm-hmm. That 
But I'm like, look, there's nobody else up here. We're not racing up after these Rams. There. Yep. In that time frame, between when I last saw that good Ram, we killed a bear, and when we were ready to hike out on the 10th, we changed our plan because we hadn't seen that Ram in two days. Mm-hmm. And, but we'd seen others. And I'm like, let's try for these, you know, this other area. So we ended up going back in there, and I think we were four. Everything I talk about is GPS miles. I don't talk about the how many trail miles. It's all GPS. So yeah. we were 4.8 <laughs> miles from, from camp where we hunted at. Mm-hmm. And uh, we were up one morning on the... So we went out on the 10th, uh, didn't see, actually didn't see a, any sheep, uh, rams on the 10th, none. Yeah. On the 11th, we walked up a little higher up. We seen one little sublegal, but nothing, hmm. um, and saw another good bear and uh, didn't see any, um, any caribou to speak of that day. So the morning of the 12th, we're up eating breakfast and... A caribou come, three caribou come running down the river and, you know, not seeing anything. The hunter was like, he goes, I, I think I want to shoot that. I'm like, yeah, I, I, I really couldn't. I mean, it's yeah. like, <clears throat> go ahead, get, let him have it. Dumps a caribou, you know, 75 yards in front of camp. Yeah. You know, it's the 12th. We plan to walk up the drainage another two miles and make another set of camp and look in the drainage. I'm like, so what? We got We're gonna we're gonna take four or five hours extra. We have a good place to hang this meat. We did. We skinned him out. Did the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Got that done. And we were done hauling meat. We had lunch. Then we had dinner, and we were still at a camp. And I'm like, well, let's you know, it's that hour. Let's let's wait another couple hours before we, I want to go back up here to this last drainage that we looked in, but didn't yeah. see anything. Let's give that another look again. And, uh, we'll head up there at, uh, at five thirty. Mm-hmm. Okay. So it wasn't, we finished, it wasn't, it wasn't a hundred yards into the slot drainage that I spot two good rams way down the mountain, bedded on a hillside. They were 1,058 yards from us. From right there. Yeah, that's a pretty good striking distance. Yes. And I could get to, I could easily make up 750 yards to a spot. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, either one of these rams are good. And I, I wanted the client to come look in case we didn't see him again. This is what we were after. Yeah. So there was two rams. One was clearly heavier. The other one was clearly longer. And I says, either one. It doesn't, he didn't care which one he yeah. got which kind of makes it nice. Yeah. So we're hiking up there against the hillside and we made it to that 750 yard spot, but up less than five minutes into the stock, I seen the Rams had got up, moved off the hill and they went down, which was good. Mm-hmm. So we get up there and I'm doing the creeping up the, up the drainage here, just, you know, poking my head out, looking at, you know, yep. and they, I mean, they must've winded us. Cause I mean, I had like six inches of my head showing, and these dead looking straight at me. I'm like, oh shit, they've already seen, they're already down here. And I get my range finder out. He, I go, they're 400 yards. I said, get, get your gun, get, get everything where we're going to go up to that spot 50 yards in front of us and we're going to shoot them from there. So he uh, gets everything ready and we, we hike up there. And uh, so Bruce is a Pennsylvania hunter. 
What do Pennsylvania hunters love to have in their gun always? Loaded up, ready to go. Safe, just yeah. turn the safety. Which you and I and most, we just don't do that, right? Yeah. And he wasn't used to that. I mean, I'll give him that. He was, wasn't used to it. And we the get up click. there. Yep. <laughs> 310 yards we had him at. The ram was just kind of standing broadside, kind of just walking, not running, but was alerted, but good rest click. I'm like, load around, load around. And then they started trotting. <coughs> so he sh- uh, it was a total of five rounds shot at this thing, all right? And I can't say I haven't done right. that. <laughs> I thought I saw an indication on the third round, but he, it was like, I don't know, just something on the third round looked a little different, but it didn't, he didn't stop, you know? And fifth round fires, and I'm like, and he's up at the top. He's like 457. Yeah. And I'm like, all right, stop shooting. He's, we're, he's, we're, we'll try to get him in the next drainage because they're heading up over into the next drainage. Yeah. One that we were going to go up to. And uh, then also I'm like, oh, shit. He's starting to stumble. And then he just folded up. <laughs> he, didn't, he didn't run hard. He didn't kick. He just folded up and fell down and rolled a little bit. And that was it. He didn't move. <laughs> so our packer, Cole, his name, he's one of your listeners, by the way. Uh, <coughs> he, uh, we left a lot of our gear about 200 yards down the canyon. Mm-hmm. So Cole said, hey, I'll go back and get our stuff. I said, all right, we'll hang here. We'll watch the ram. We watched him for like 10 minutes with a gun, you know, essentially ready to go if he got it. But yeah. I, mean, I was looking through, a, a, you know, 60 power spotting scope and he wasn't even breathing. Yeah. <clears throat> but he just never had it. I don't know what round he hit him on. I think it was a third. Yeah. Nothing happened there. So got our gear. We had dinner. He just didn't want to get all bloody. You know how that is. Uh-huh. That's like, you know, you're going to be working your ass off here yeah. next. So we hiked up there, got him, and he, I don't know why he didn't roll to the freaking bottom, but his just- nose had shoved down into the the rocks are about baseball size. Yeah. His other horn was hooking him. <coughs> and that's what stopped him. Stopped huh. him dead cold right there. And he, Bruce freaking heart shot him. <laughs> Through both lower, I mean, it, bullet hole in, bullet hole out, heart shot him. Straight up. And I was like, man, this thing acted weird. So we uh, we ended up, we talked about what kind of taxidermy he wanted. Yeah. I mean, when I first talked to him when I was back, you know, through text, oh, I'm going to get a life size. I'm like, okay. Um, and then it went to a half body while we were, you know, in camp. And then once we got up on the hill, he's like, you know, with those other two animals I've got, I'm just going to do a shoulder mount, which I'm fine with that. You know, I, I, uh, it's like if you're a moose, a moose guide. Oh, those European mounts—they look really nice. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I, I want a minimum of a shoulder mount, mm-hmm. but I like half body. I try to talk him into that, but he's saying, "No, I'm going to go with a shoulder mount." I'm like, "Okay." Well, he is in a spot right now <clears throat> that is going to be very, very hard and dangerous. I mean, you know, damn razor knives are just—you got two of them out there, yeah, and we're on this precarious little area i says when we start start 
butchering this animal up, he's going to want to roll. And I'm like, let's pick him up and let's just kind of hop, hop him down, you know, mm-hmm. all the way down to that spot down there where if you'd have shot him at 310, he'd have been down there. Yeah. He goes, okay. So for about a half hour, 45 minutes, all three of us were bringing this ram all the way down to the bottom. Got down there. <coughs> it started freaking raining, <coughs> which, you know, of course, have good rain gear. It's, you know, your ram hunts over. The pressure is off me, yeah. which there is a lot of pressure. And you know this is a guide that going after clients, I I take a lot of pride in this. And there's a lot of things in Mother Nate that's not my, I can't do anything about. Yeah. Weather, I can't help you how you shoot. I can't help other hunters being in here. There's a lot of pressure in there well, on that. Well, and I can only imagine. I mean, I've, I've never kind of somewhat intentionally have never guided sheep hunters. Um, I, but I can definitely imagine because, I mean, I know the pressure from other stuff and I care way more about sheep. And, yep. and then you're like, oh, man, I can only just – and there's, you know, you know the, just on my own hunt, I get stressed. It gets yes. stressful enough. It's, it's 10 times worse. Yeah. Because I do too. And you don't know, you don't know, like you can't, you know, you've hunted sheep long enough. I've hunted sheep long enough that, I mean, there's just things, you know, things, you know, like you said, you, you can and can't deal with. It's just a mindset of experience and you don't, you can't know what they're thinking. It's like. Right, got to be like, yeah. How much money did I pay for this? And does this guy really know what he's doing? I mean, that runs through your mind. And I, again, I have a lot of pride in this um, and making sure a client is happy. Um, and obviously, getting an animal is that top. For me, it is. I would think that that's what they're there for. There's other portions of the hunt, but when it comes down to it, you know, again, I have a. The rain was falling down pretty mm-hmm. good enough to piss you off, but man, it didn't matter. Yeah. I was done. All animals were done. It was just a matter of one foot in front of the other. Mind game's over. Yeah, mind point. game is over. And honestly, it was a huge dead up that ram, got him down. But it was really weird. When we started cutting this animal up, I have never seen, and he's shooting a 300 Winchester, Shooting this Barnes 180 gearing triple shocks, yeah. tip tripler, which is a really good, yeah. tough constructed bullet. Even at that range, it caused damage to this animal like I had never seen before. In fact, the front shoulders were so, made them so inedible meat. The entire thing, I mean, I you would cut pieces of meat out, the next layer is gel. Yeah. Okay, I'm going to cut that gel out. You never got to clean meat on the front shoulders, ever. I, and there was a couple little small holes that, what I think had happened is he ricocheted a round off and caused, in one of those five rounds, that bullet to, not the entrance hole, but one of the other holes, that small ones, that it caused a, kind of a shotgun effect at a close range. I don't. You know, you ricochet yeah. around off, and it spins into him. It, I know Frank said, well, that, and it was a di- totally different bullet. It was one of those ELDXs last year. Frank shot, hit his ram in the horn, and it went through there and just, like, shotgunned about, like, a softball size in his neck and just killed him dead. Done, yeah. So that could be. That's, that sounds weird. But we, uh, anyway, we, we, we hauled all the meat down to our mm-hmm. camp, you know, got everything off the mountain and we were 
I think a mile away from actual camp. Oh, wow. And got him down. And now we have a caribou, a sheep at our camp, 4.8 miles or whatever back to base camp. And, uh, you know, I'm not taking out anything that I don't legally have to that is just, you wouldn't feed it to your family. You know what I mean? It's just not going to happen. So we went through this. I took lots of photos, documented, and uh, got everything loaded out. You know, took, we decided we're going to leave the caribou 100% here. We'll take the sheep and our camp out. Mm -hmm. We did that. And then uh, Cole and I came back and got all of the caribou horns, everything in that load and did Mm -hmm. that. So um, Bruce is a really good hunter. Nice. Uh, A really nice guy. Very humble, uh, self-made businessman, which is really cool. Yeah. Well, there's, I think there's a lot more people like that, you know, that than you, than you think. Tough dude. I mean, this guy, he, he was a really tough guy at 66 years old. He never slowed down. He did say, I was glad we had a Packer, but I, I can see, you know, I, I was glad we had a Packer. Yeah, I was going to say, I would be glad to have a Packer. You know, so, and Cole was a nice guy. Again, he didn't, you know, he asked me, he goes, hey, do you ever listen to podcasts? Or I'm like, oh yeah, I, I listen to a few of them. He goes, I, I got a, something along the, Tundra Talk came up, and I go, yeah, I've done a couple of uh, those with, with my buddy Tyler. He goes, oh, you're Steve Hollenbeck. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah. He goes, man, I didn't know I was hunting with a celebrity. <laughs> oh, so shit. he was, uh, he really likes, he really liked you. No, that's awesome. Thanks, so th- thanks he's for, a, thanks for listening, Cole. <laughs> yeah, he is a, um, a uh, cherry and uh, apple farmer. Seventh generation out of Wisconsin. I mean, right on Lake Michigan. Over that's what they're. This is cold, not cold. Yeah. Correct. And you know he he was awesome. I oh, mean, great, had man. a really good. Because uh, I didn't know for me going up, people I don't know who I obviously you got a client you don't know. Yeah, I had to worry about having a packer. I was like, who's this guy? I don't know him. I, you know, but Cole was awesome. I couldn't ask for somebody better. Working, you know, he was, you know, open to doing anything nice. that we, you know, had and had a good time doing it. So, um, yeah, I really appreciate it, Cole. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, the fishing was really good later. You know, it yeah. wasn't good at the beginning, but got the client out there doing some fishing after everything was. But the 12th, we were done hunting. I mean, I was, my next client wasn't coming in for five more days and I could get back and do some fleshing and you know, that kind of stuff. And, uh, yep, let the old joints recover. <coughs> exactly. So, uh, next client was Ryan out of Colorado, another listener of yours. Yeah. I got to, I got to meet Ryan. Yeah. So we, Super uh, cool dude. we had, uh, he had a weather delay day one going into this thing. So had to stay another night in Fairbanks and then, uh, got up there and I didn't have a packer. It was just me and him kind of made our game plan what we we're going to do i knew the weather was going to turn to shit though we, mm-hmm. it was forecasted too i told him to kind of be prepared for this we were going after a double broom ram 10 year old plus that one of the other hunters wasn't able to get mm-hmm. uh, potentially i seen him in there last year i don't for sure think it was the same one i think this ram i seen last year was a little bigger than this one but same general area. Mm-hmm. 
So we started heading up on there, and that was um, Ryan got there on the 18th, supposed to get on there on the 17th, so we packed out on the 19th. And we were about four or three miles from camp, and it just came in. I mean, everybody I talked to on the <coughs> in reach was solid socked in with snow, you know, days prior to this. And I had this, like, weather window where I was at. is like, you getting in there? Joey Clutch is like, man, it's shit over here. What about you? I'm like, oh, I'm still hunting. Yeah, we, so what? Yeah, because mine, mine moved in the night of the 12th. Right. But you were hundreds of miles away yeah. where these other guys were. Joey Clutch was 52 miles away in the Hula. Um, my buddy Brian up on the Leffing Well was 22 miles from me. And my boss, Aaron, right on the Canadian border was 46 miles from me. And they're all just getting crap weather ahead of I mean, mine was good. Now, I couldn't hunt those days because I didn't have a client in the field. Mm-hmm. But the 19th, it started coming in. And it snowed all night the 19th, all day the 20th. You know, you know how that is. We, we camped kind of in the bottom yeah. on the river. I'm like, well, shit, we can... He had a caribou tag that he got last minute. He had a caribou tag. I'm like, we at least can salvage this portion. And we've seen some good bulls, mm-hmm. really good bulls across the river. And, uh, but I want a sheep first, which I would be too. Yeah. If he runs right in front of camp like your last one, different story. But I don't want to take two days. I'm like, okay. So that night, that was the 20th. That was uh, still snowed all night. And then... The next day, the 21st, it was still snow in the morning. Later, I found out Ryan was starting to get a little bit. He didn't think he could take any more of me in that tent. (laughs) And maybe living in Alaska and doing so much of it that for me, spending two days, three days in the tent is, I expect that. Do you expect that on a hunt? Yeah, I mean, it's usually, it's it's an odd it's an odd hunt that you don't have at least a day or two in the tent. Right. And three, I, I don't, three is getting a little long, but it it's does, not unusual. And no. I don't know. It's probably just the mindset of having done a lot of this stuff, whether it's flying and going hunting on Kodiak or a lot of the hunt you just like learn to let go of try to let go of the things you can't control. Correct. And so I you know, we're on that next day, on the 21st, I'm out of the tent. We get breakfast. We do some glassing. It's still shit. And, uh, you know, I try to explain, well, you know, these 10-day hunts, that's why they're 10 days. You can expect three, four days in the tent. I don't personally come up here if I'm not doing a 10 minimum yeah. on the ground. So, because I don't want to get stuck. I well, mean, our I've, personal hunts, we would always do 14 when we fly up north. Exactly. You know, it was because of those... I, I, you know, and there were a couple, like the last time we all went, I went together. Four days. I was stuck for four days in the tent. Yeah, the last time we went together was 13. And we did, I don't know, I didn't spend a lot of days in the tent, but we used you had up. Four, four we days used, and no hunt days. We used up every bit of that 14 days. Oh, which, for sure. That's for like, sure. Well, we, we marched, we got back to the airstrip. At three o'clock in the morning, the, the day we were spo- yep, we were, were flying out, up, we were being picked up at about eleven that morning. Yeah, which that's yeah. Looking at this ram on your table, we just were talking earlier. It's got a nice deadhead double broom ram that 
Most well, I'll only ever wonder if it's the one I shot on that trip and could never find. Me and Tim looked for him for two whole days yep. and just finally assumed. It, I think I've told that story before. I think he just looking at his growth patterns that he was killed during the season or thereabout. You know, he was. Yeah. He doesn't have, you know, so that's. But anyways, Ryan's hunt. We so the 21st. Mid morning, uh, I'm, I'm like, oh man, I hope this breaks, and it did. It started breaking up on us. I'm like, well, let's let's, you know, I pointed out a drainage. Let's head up there. Uh, we were going to do the double broom thing, but it is actually total whiteout over there. As far as it's trying to find, you know, it is so hard. If to, you don't have some sunshine and stuff like that on the snow, yeah, it's I'm like, to- let's let's head back into the drainages that I had hunted earlier. I know of that other ram that you know. Mm-hmm. Got out of there that he didn't end up, the other hunter didn't shoot. It was a really good ram. Ryan was looking for a good representation, and he was going to take pretty much the first legal ram we seen. Yeah. We seen one of those corkscrew rams that you killed in 12? 12? Yeah. Where it's he like was a, a pig, younger ram. Like a pygmy ram that yeah. was just Yeah, his, his, uh, he was full curl, but he was just below his eyes where he started coming up, and you could see his tips above. But he was really small bodied. There was another ram that was bigger bodied than him that was only a three quarter curl. And I'm like, we can do better than that ram. Yeah, there. that Where, was. Let's, and that ram was so weird because I remember the first time we saw him, and I was, Grant, I've learned a lot since then in the past seven years judging. But uh, it's like, man, that's a big, you know, he was with 40, <laughs> he was with, there was, I in four, the 50s. There was 47, 47 rams in that group. Yep. Never seen. Still have never. That's the yep. biggest bunch of rams I've ever seen, and he was the most impressive looking one. All of them. There was a couple broomers in there that I'm sure hindsight were bigger, but yeah, we. Yeah, after. That's so what, I looked, you know, to judge that. I'm like, look at his body size. Look at this ram. He's just not a mature ram. He might be legal, but he's not. I said we can do better than this. Yeah. So we pressed on. That was. The more that was that first day we got there before it really got shitty, mm-hmm. and I decided right then we're gonna hunt this back where I'd been at, and um, so the twenty first, I think it's a Wednesday, we hiked up and got on this one ridge line and hiked across, head down. I said, hey, let's get over there. We're gonna take a look, you know, take a break, get some water. We did that, and I says. By 5, 5.30, I want to be at this point. I showed him on the map. Okay. Well, we got there, and we just took our packs off, and I'd spotted six rams about two and a half miles away. Got the scope on them, and sure enough, one was a broken off on his left side. You could clearly see, and then mm-hmm. full curl on his right. And I'm like, we're going to go after him tomorrow. There's, there's, he's too far away right now. It's too late. We don't want to blow them out of there. They're way up the drainage. So, and uh, he goes, okay, that's fine with me. Yeah, I mean, this is the very first day we really could hunt. Yeah. The 21st. When I'm sitting there and I had an overwhelming gut feeling. It's just like very powerful. I've had a few of them in my you know, life, but yeah. this was one of them. Like, check that drainage behind us. It's like half a mile at this river that is no water in it mm-hmm. easy walk i go ryan let's let's go up this thing here man i just got this i cannot pass up this drainage you know it's just too close it looks too good 
He goes, yeah, whatever, man. I said, we'll just drop our packs. We'll take out enough stuff just to, you know, spotting scopes, survival equipment. We're just going to go up here half a mile and take a look at this. Those rams are going to be there. I'd like to come back here and pitch camp. We're in a good vantage point. We'll see him in the morning. Mm-hmm. He goes, okay. So we hike up there, and I'm looking, and I'm, like, very disappointed. I'm like, I thought, you know, this was a really good-looking drainage, but there's lots of good-looking drainages. I just, just thought that feeling was your chili mac and beef. <laughs> correct. So we continue up. I wanted to get some water because we had, you know, that we just kept mm-hmm. passing creeks. Now we're out of water, and we found some. I'm like, well, shit, maybe that was my gut feeling. So we yeah. fill up our bottles. I mean, I was freaking parched. And I'm like, well, we've gone this far. Let's just go up to that next one, another half a mile up this drainage. And again, this is not like stair step climbing. Mm-hmm. This is almost walking on your lawn with boulders in it, you know, with yeah. baseball to softball to football-sized boulders. That's about it. Walk up there, and nothing is up there. And it's a big slot canyon to where you go from one side, you see, so you can look up the one, and then you go over to the other side, yep. so you can look back. And, uh, well, I get up there about 15 minutes. I'm like, well, I guess that's it. Let's, let's head back. We'll get dinner and camp. So we walk by, and... I just had to look up this one, that original one, that one mm-hmm. just a half a mile away. And I'm like, I put my binoculars up, and there are two rams just staring at me 200 yards away. Oh. Just staring <laughs> right down at me. I'm like, rams right there. I should shoot the back one. It was one of those <laughs> yeah, things. It's yeah. like, he's clearly well past legal. The other one's legal. I'm like, shoot the back one. He goes, where are they at? I'm like, right there. Oh, I was he was he was looking way up. Yeah, yeah. Where they're actually right out above us. Oh. And he sets the gun down, we get a range on him, 218 yards. He does a couple clicks on it and I said, "Make sure it's the back one." You know, I want to make sure, you know. Yeah. From the time that we I spotted the Rams to the time a bullet hit him was less than 30 seconds. I could count on my hand how many times that's happened to where you did not look at him through his spotting scope. Yeah. You know. Where you clearly, where the ram is clearly legal, he was a good heavy ram. Thir- mm-hmm. He's thirty-eight and fourteen-inch bases. This beautiful sheep. I got to see the <coughs> and um, hit him good. Rolled him down the hill, and and he was as happy as ever. And went from like two mile an hour hunting to a hundred mile an hour hunting right now, and then it's done. Well, and how many times has that shit happened over the years? And I, I. I always got to remind myself of that, even, you know, especially when I'm like doing this nature walk bow hiking thing, which have you seen those, those nature walk videos? Uh I'll have to show you a couple. You'll get a kick out of them. They're on on YouTube. Just Google like nature walk. It's pretty fucking funny. Anyway, like, you know, rifle hunting, bow hunting, you're not seeing shit for a couple days. It's super easy just to second guess every your whole plan everything because it takes so much effort to get everywhere right and then but so many times it's freaking just instantaneous happens sometimes at the last minute but i don't know it seems like it always so will turn around so what had happened was this again that gut feeling was just it was a six i don't know what you want to call it but if I wouldn't have gone up, we wouldn't have killed that right straight up. We'd never seen them. We'd have camped down in that where we had camped at that those rams would have been out of view all night mm-hmm. long. So when I first walked up there, and we later found this out after you know field dressing him and getting into his you know guts and 
into yeah. his mouth there when I started cutting his uh, cape off. He, they were down in a the willow patches huh. that obscured their vision because I went across the drainage, you know, just the other side of the river, yeah. and looked so I could get a good vantage, and I couldn't see him there. So, but when I got up in those woods, I seen that when I was up there on the hill butchering him. I'm like. I'm going to go over here. So I went in the willow patch. Sure enough, they were obscured as ever. And I'm like, oh, shit, there's tracks all over the place in here. Oh. So those two rams were just down there. And then when we walked back, just maybe some of the noise got them to come out. And what's this? Yeah. I was actually very surprised he stood there as long as he did. And one- it must be just because you guys were down below him. And I don't yep. know. There's been quite a few times where you get busted fairly close. But if you're out in the open and below them and you're not, like, <coughs> jumping around and waving your hands up in the air, <laughs> like, they, yep. you know, most of the time they'll at least give you a while. But, yeah, that's pretty fortunate, man. Yeah. He, it don't uh, happen every day. <laughs> so, Brian was pretty excited because it, it did. It was like, went from, oh, we'll get this tomorrow to, like, your hunt's over. Yeah. Like, just like that. I mean, <laughs> we were just talking about what we were going to do. A minute or two earlier than that to congratulations, you know, got a good ram, you're hunting, you know, you're done. Yeah. <coughs> Something this guy had been, you know, researching for years to come up here hunting, always wanted to do it. Now it's it's come to fruition, it's done, the ram's down, and so we get up there, and I'm a big photo guy. I like good yeah. photos. Who doesn't? Yeah. You know, but... um. So this ram had rolled down the hill and ripped his lower jaw. In fact, you know, it basically, it, luckily, it only had a little spot on it that got nicked bad, but yeah. it peeled his, his lip all the way oh. back underneath his jaw. So he opens it up, you know, falling down like a big brown bear does. Yeah. And I, um, I, uh, I didn't have my sewing kit. That was what came to mind with me is I have a little sewing yeah. kit. Yeah, well, I have it in my first aid kit. You could just put a couple stitches in his right. lip to and hold that's, it. In my first aid kit, was I left it back at at that little spot. It's half yeah, a mile yeah. down. It wasn't like we were doing, you know. So it was. I should have had it with me. I know I should have, but honestly, I was just running up there to look up this drainage, and it's like, oh, let's go to the next one type deal. Yep. So anyway... Um, it's something that I've done a lot of times. I want good photos. Mm-hmm. I am not willing to cut this animal up, have blood all over the place, and the light's fading. <coughs> I wanted a really good photo of this ram. So I prop them up where they'll rigger up, you know, yep. and I I got some photos at night. But you could clearly see the difference in photos between the next morning and that. And people that don't do it, is it a good idea to get the guts out? Yes. But I, the meat, I've never tasted well, any meat difference. When you're, when we're talking sheep up in the Brooks Range, you know, a doll sheep up in the Brooks Range, when you're dealing with snow and all kinds of temperatures like yep. that, is different. It's not like you're talking a mute, uh, mule deer in the U- right. in the desert down in Utah or, with or something. something with a huge. Th- I mean, their hide is a lot or thinner. A mo- yeah, or a- it just doesn't hold the heat in. Yeah. So I did up to my personal ram last year. I did it to one of the clients' rams last year, and I did it to this one this year. And you've done. I mean, you've done it 
in years past too. Oh, all the time. I a lot of time. I shoot a lot of them at night. Yeah. <coughs> and I, I want some good photos, so I prop them up and make sure that they're good, and I have the good lighting, and it, it all turns out not a bit of meat is wasted, and out it comes. But so we had some photos at night and. The background was really cool, but the ram looked shitty. Yeah. The next morning, he was nice and stiffened up, and this lip was right where it should be. Oh, good. We had some snow in the background. It really looked cool. And uh, so we got him out of there, and we our first intentions, which is always like, we'll get him out and move him down to this spot, but by the time we're done, I'm always double the amount of time it takes. Mm-hmm. If I estimate something... It's going to take me double what I told you. Every bit Flat out. Yep. It's always that way with me. <laughs> Sometimes I get so pissed at myself for it. But So, hey, let's just spend the night here. We have no place. We're, you're, you're leaving in you know, this many days. Why are we going to kill ourselves? He goes, oh, I'm fine with that. <clears throat> so, you know, we're all bullshitting. We, I think we, that night, that we had a clear sky that night. and It was just like, man, the hunt's over. I'm so glad. Yeah. He had a caribou tag, but... We weren't going to shoot, and we want to get those down at the strip, you know, yeah. closer to way because we're, I think we're at five point eight miles, six mm-hmm. point something like that, where we shot this ram at. So we load up, and our plan was to take half the camp, all the meat, all the horns, uh, down to this spot. I would come back and get the little bit of camp. We we're just going to hopscotch that all yeah. the way to where the meat always stayed with us. The meat and horns always stayed together, mm-hmm. just to do that legal definition of can't yeah. come out. So that was going to take place, uh, but I wasn't going to kill myself on the a, w- amount of weight. I'd rather yeah. do double the amount, so I would be unloading my pack more. Mm-hmm. So we're hiking back, and we're at that drainage where those six rams are at that we were going to go after that mm-hmm. next morning. And, you know... I'd seen a grizzly. I was looking at a grizzly up this other drainage. I just put my binoculars away. And Ryan, by the way, was probably the best glassing. Well, I know he's the best glassing client I'd ever had. Yeah. He was really, he's really good at it, which is not normal. There's some guys that are better than others. <coughs> but I, he was really, he had good optics. He goes, oh, man, those look like a good caribou. Up, look at those caribou up there. I take my binoculars out of my pouch, and I'm like, oh, my God, shoot that one. <laughs> and we're five miles Yeah, that's a poke for... To take a caribou yeah. out. And we already got a ram we're taking out. And we're fully loaded right now. So we put the... I mean, you could not... Pa- You've seen the picture. Yeah. I mean, he was the best Brooks Range uh, caribou I had seen. Even bigger than that one you shot back oh, in that, 10 that years ago? Doesn't even compare. Oh. I mean, he had everything. <clears throat> the one thing he didn't have, he didn't have big C's. Yeah. But he had everything. So he shot this caribou, made a really good shot on him. And we went up there and got him all, got some good photos, got him all cleaned up, everything off the mountain. We Now we're back to our camp, made camp that night. And our plan was just to start shuttling stuff out, which we did. And got everything out, and uh, by the time we got back, I got an air service, told me, hey, we want to come in and get you. He he went over and did some fishing. I packed up camp. Air service came in, and 
brought us out of there. By the way, was the worst ride I've ever had in my life in a bush plane. <laughs> I started throwing up from basically, honest to God, <laughs> we took off. And we're in a helio with a slotted wings, right? Were you in the back? I was in the back. I mean, I was. Was it the same? Was it the same one I threw up in? Oh, no, I'm sure. I don't the know. Bra- the brown and it orange was, one. No, this was the dark green one. Oh, okay. But I was. We we had a lot of shit. But in there we we took off, got airborne, great takeoff. I mean, Max did an awesome ride. Got us up. just we started going over the Continental Divide, which is right next to our camp. It started. I was like, what the fuck is that noise? It sounded like the caribou had come to life back there who was in quarters. It was like, boom, boom, boom. And it's not like you're in a a vehicle like something. It's those slotted wings, you know, bouncing up and down, you know, because at one point through this fucking throw up ride all the way home, we were going 68 miles an hour. Jeez. And an airplane that does 130 knots. We yeah. were doing 68 miles an hour. He says, as he, we took off, he goes, I got to warn you, we, uh, I got here in record time, but we're going to go back in record short time because yeah. we had such a headwind yeah. you know, going back. He got up there like an hour and 40 minutes. Yeah. What the? <laughs> and then going home was three, and, three hours and 45 minutes home. It was, I, I, I was scared. To sh- I mean, that airplane bounced around so much and- Going over right at the areas that, you know, where, you know, lots of places we'd been into. Yeah. And uh, we had, uh, let's see, we landed. I I told my girl to come get me at 7, figuring I would be, a little bit of time I'd be there to get out of the airplane yeah. so she could show up. We didn't land at 710. Oh, man. So we left at Three o'clock. So, yeah, that was actually Jeez. four hours and ten minutes. That's rough. Yeah, that's the only plane I've ever thrown up in the was in the back of a Helio too. That was it was in two thousand nine when you shot that caribou and yeah, that's how we do it. Is I I got to sit in the front on the way up and so I'd sit in the back on the way back and pu- shit piled all up and um you and what's his face it was flying Daniel was, no that wasn't Daniel that was uh, Ken. No, it wasn't Ken. It was the guy who we saw land on that other oh, airstrip. Oh, um, yeah, I know who you're yeah. talking about. Yeah. Anyway, um, yeah, we coming out of. I just remember coming out of the brooks. We were just getting tossed around like crazy, and I was okay for a while till after it like smoothed out. Then shit started catching up with me, and I'm like digging in my. I was like ripping stuff out of a dry bag. I had like socks and stuff to puke in it, and. You guys look back, are you, are you sick or something? I'm like, yeah. Hands me a gallon Ziploc. <laughs> That's what I used. A sports and warehouse bag, a gallon Ziploc in a dry bag just to make Jeez. sure it didn't get over anything. Oh, man. <clears throat> and it took me like a day or so to get over just the the kind of the spinning feeling. I mean, it was. There's nothing worse. In the world. I mean, it's like, I don't know, for me, like just getting super hammered drunk or, or like. Yeah, it's like seasick or something to where seasick's a little different because like then you walk on land and you feel like you're moving. Right. But yeah, that's spin. And if you get the spins, man, there's I don't wish that shit on my worst enemy. Yeah, it was. But other than that was the only, you know, 
hiccup. I think my weather. I mean, yeah, the Brook Train's got some shit this year, but we we had so a, did the Alaska Range, yeah, every, which is going to be part of some upcoming podcasts. Yeah. So I uh, I'm heading down for my hunt uh, Friday. Tomorrow. Yeah, because you drew you drew a it's DS pretty, pretty thirty eight. Awesome. Tag. So Tom Lojas, you've talked to him before. I don't know if I have. He's the sheep biologist for the state of Alaska. So I called him, and he's really intimate in the 14C area as mm-hmm. well. So I called and talked to him, left him a message, and he called me. And I go, you remember who I was? He goes, oh, yeah. So we kind of yeah. talked a little bit. And he goes, he goes, man, so you got DS-138? I'm like, yeah. He goes, that is the permit to have in this state this year. I'm like, why is that? He goes, last year, it was shit weather down here. There wasn't a lot of good rams taken because of the weather, and there mm-hmm. was a lot of good ones in there. This year, you know, the thing is split up into three seasons. You got 136, 137, and 138. All the same area. So 136 is what, Tim, was what <coughs> Tim Sterner had yep. a few years ago, yeah. So that's the opener. Then you got the mid-season. Then you got the late season. And he says just, he says one-third of the hunters don't even use the permit. Yeah. One third of the hunters will walk in there and um, shit their pants know that and turn around and come back. Yeah, know they made a one, big, big two times mistake. There, <laughs> one third of the hunters are sim. Are you're going to fall onto that one third? Those the last one third of those hunters, you're going to take the permit, you know, and use it. But half of you guys will not use it the way you're supposed to. Then you've got the guys like you who will. Yeah. So he says we just haven't had those on this permit this year. You know, 136, nothing big. 137, nothing big. They don't know what Lance Kronberger's crew shot in 137. Um, so his was 237, the, yeah, the, the non-resident. non-resident one. So he says 138 is the one he would like to have if he could have any permits. What he told me. Hmm. Those were his words. So uh, that gave me some really good, you know. And then Blake's down there right now. Yeah. I've gotten some good intel from three different people on what Tom told me and another guy told me was um, stuff that I – it wasn't a surprise. It just gave me reassurance. Yeah, I planned to yeah. go into these areas anyway, but my other buddy Travis told me there's rams in these areas that are not notoriously even bent. and. He killed a good ram. He killed a 38-inch, 38-and-a-eighth with 13-and-a-quarter basis Alaska Range ram. Really good photo. I'll show you a photo of him here, and you can tell me what you think. Um, he, uh, let's see what he told me here. Take a look at that ram there. That's a non-permit oh, hunt. That's a beauty. You can't. I, for, I, I would have trouble passing that ram up. I think any you know anybody that's like not going to exclusively hunt anything forty or, <laughs> or nothing under forty. You know, unless you're saying that, that's a gorgeous sheep. And I yeah, you know I mean, somebody to be able to. Oh, he's with. I mean, I can sometimes get him within an inch. I estimated the two for my clients within an inch, but. You know, hell, he can be a 40-inch ram in a lot of places. You look at him. So 38 and an eighth, I'm like, 
I go, Travis, are they as big as that? I would have trouble passing that ram up there. Yeah. He goes, oh, no, these. he thought that these two were bigger. He goes, I'm looking from two miles away, and I can see the hook on them. Jeez. I can see mass. So Blake's down there right now looking back into there. He can see them too. So these, these rams are in an area that is not notoriously to have them. Hmm. Way, I mean, they're close down. Yeah. Obviously, this is going to come out after I've been up in there probably – most likely, nobody's going to have to listen to this. You're going to have DS-138, so I don't really care. Okay, as long as you don't really care, because I was going to post it tomorrow. <laughs> That's all right. I, I, there, you know, I have a. Where I'm not. That's not. That's not any more specific info than just saying, "Hey, there's huge fucking rams in 138." Right. So, they're way closer to town than I ever thought. You know, and Blake's in there right now and looking at them. So, I'm kind of right now. Where do I go? Do I go to the area that I know? And that there's a rumor of a 42, 43-inch ram back in there from two different sources that know what they're talking about. So <coughs> I'm uh, I'm pretty excited, to I say the least. I think you're going to, yeah, I think you're, <coughs> I would be shocked if you don't come out, you know. Well, I'm, I would, I'll, I'll tell you right now, a heavy 38-inch, you know, something, they've got a different, a different type of well, ram a lot of times there. those Chugach rams, like a 38, 39-inch ram, just looks I know. tremendous. Yep. Like you know that converging, yes. that converging horn that they don't use up their length in the fl- in the in going Correct. out like exactly. a lot of Alaska range rams. So I I just want a good looking ram. I yeah, I set a goal of a mid 160. I think that's pretty high goal. I don't know so. I'm going to take the value of the tag and use it what yeah. I can. I only can do what I can. So I know that there's a there's a, a non-resident hunter back in there right now who is is being guided by Dan Montgomery. Hank is his lead guide who they kill some good rams. So that is, that's going to be some competition for sure. Yeah. And I hope for their best. I really do. They're good dudes. Yeah. Um, so, but I... I don't know. I mean, I'm a pretty serious sheep hunter. Maybe there's some other guys that got drawn that are serious on this too. I don't know. You never know who you're going to meet up with back there. Yeah, it's that's not the, the biggest area in the world, but there's not a lot of permits either. Yeah, the area is by far, without question, the most intimidating area I've ever hunted. Hmm. I mean, it, it it's straight up. It's the only area that I've actually been scared to death huh. ever hunting. Is in that area there. For sure. You know, the time that I did the slip and slide, slide down the mountain 200 feet, cannot stop yourself. Yeah. And if it would have been 200 feet, 300 feet before or 50 foot after, I'd have not been here right now. So yeah. I'd have been slid right off a freaking mountainside. You know, you just start yep. sliding. You can't stop yourself yep. in that mountain cabbage that's up there. Mm-hmm. <coughs> yeah. And that stuff, especially, you know, they think like this time of year, it starts getting rotten, you know, it's as the color chains start getting rotten, maybe time to get some get you some crampons. Oh yeah, on. no crampons are coming with me, so for sure they're going to be in the backpack. So I don't know what I'm going to do. There's two places I can go. Blake is down there looking right now, and I don't want people thinking that I yo I've got all these guides. I don't really have no. a really good friend that is trying to burn some leave and wants to you know he's missed a bunch of hunting seasons. Yep. And he's you know going to want to go on this sheep hunt which I would too. I, I yeah. did it in 14 with one of my buddies. Yep. So so he's down there just, I'm like, hey, take a look at this. It's so in the opposite side that this is almost two different hunts. We either go in after those 
or we go in after where we plan to go at. I can't do both right. So if you could go in there and just look at them, are they worth going after? Yeah. And I'm going to take his opinion. If he thinks they're a good brand, then we're going to, we're going to go after those. So, um, and again, it's in an area that of this 138 that never gets hunted. Nice. So, um, and when I told Tom this, he's, you know, occasionally see, but not this early do they come down that in that area. Huh. So, yeah, man, I can't wait to see. We'll see. You know, I, again, I'm not, oh, I'm only coming out with, I'm not, I'm not, yeah. not that dude. Yeah. You know, if it's well, a, we're tied up right now. So we are tied. The the there is, there is some pressure there. So <laughs> I yeah. actually had forgotten about that. And I texted you, I said, how many Rams have you killed? Cause I think we might be tied. We again. are tied up, <laughs> tied up right now. So oh, but I man. haven't been able to get out. Yep. But, but that yeah. was my 43rd Ram intimately involved, whether it's myself shooting him or somebody I'm right. That next you to. watched hit the dirt. Yeah. <coughs> yeah. You definitely do have me beat there, but you know, we, um, well, guiding every, I mean, the last, that'll start adding up. I mean, I can see oh, yeah. why some of these Northwest Territory sheep guides have, there's one dude I hear it's 170 rams he has, but he's been doing it for 40 or 30 years over there. Yeah. I mean, that's. And when you can, especially Northwest Territory, some of the guys, I think, and I think they, and it makes sense to use helicopters to get for longevity of your guides. Not that it necessarily is always going to be easy hunt by any means. Oh, I don't but think that it. I think what they use, they they're not dropping dudes. It's not like you're no, no, not at all. But it, you can you can get into spots that are a little tougher to get into. For sure, you're you're getting into your core area a lot easier than you can in a cub. Yeah. that's we we can't. You can't. There's some of the helicopter guys will argue. Oh, we're not using one. I get that, but no matter what, you're not getting into the same spots as easy. Yeah. in a cub. Yeah. With that being said, the Northwest ter- Territories is a completely other animal as far as sheep hunting and the vastness of mm-hmm. it. It makes Anwar look like, you know, North Pole, yeah, <laughs> if you will. I mean, it's yeah. that big of an area Yeah, where I think Anwar is the ultimate in our state for vastness and remoteness. Mm-hmm. You know, I'd love to live in, I mean... Who wouldn't? I'd love to live in the Northwest Territories and be able to hunt those, you know, those rams in the McKenzie's and Nahani and Arctic Red River. It's yep. ones that don't get ever touched. These concessions are huge. Yeah. So. Well, and, and Ty was talking to a guy that lives in the Yukon, and uh, he was saying, or, or does he live in BC? I can't, I feel stupid because I don't remember now. Who's that? Um, is that not Greg, is it? No. Oh, okay. No. I'll, uh, but uh was saying that a lot of it, you know, residents can hunt. I believe residents can hunt those concessions. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. A lot of it is the same thing like you got down in the Wrangles or a lot Nobody's of more. Nobody's flying in there. Nobody will fly in there because they got, and understand they got business deals with the outfitters to. to yep. And that's work. a sad deal, but hey, I mean, that's, that's what pays the bills and feeds yep. the family for some of these people. They don't really care about, you know, who's paying them. Yep. Um, but you know, when you get a serious group of residents, which and there's a, and the, there's just not as many residents. There's not as many correct, especially yeah. per I heard square twelve mile or thirteen. Hunting. I mean, it was such a low number. I'm like, is that all the residents that shot rams out of there? You know, in the Northwest Territories yeah. and some of these are like thirteen or fourteen residents had killed. Don't quote me on that because yeah, I don't. No, I, but I, I don't remember it was so low that it was almost hard like to believe. Astonishingly low, <laughs> right? That. 
that the that's all that we're you know now the Yukon with White Horse being you know a little pop bigger populated you know I I know a couple dudes over there and some hardcore sheep hunters mm-hmm. and you know they've got quite a bit more resident pressure there but nothing like we do here in Alaska yeah so um, having this you- permit but no matter what those guys want to say <clears throat> Alaska's where it's at when it comes to book ramps yeah they've been getting a few more over there lately and probably the ratio is but look at the book you know it big rams are you know we're we're still the king on that one and yeah your best chance of killing a book ram comes in a lot from alaska period um, yeah and uh <coughs> i was gonna say because we we're gonna talk about a little bit that uh i saw as ryan's sheep ryan oh ryan yeah my, yeah, my yeah it and that was you know i saw that we all because we all ended up bumping into each other getting our getting our horns sealed yep and uh i just thought that was interesting the way and i i have already talked like after hunting season gonna go in there with with some of the guys at fishing game and actually see it kind of scared me a little bit because they were aging these sheep a little differently than than normal than normal um you know ryan's ram i I took one look at it you know it's like oh easy eight years old yep you know mine was you know i thought a pretty clear 10 i for sure pranks i thought was a pretty clear 10 you know it's it's a little more ambiguous but um and you know that there's there's so there's those three four or five there's at least six or seven rams i've seen they got aged a year younger and like the discrepancy and what worried me was like they weren't giving me my number the ring that's formed in their second winter yes so exactly. the number two ring from the end and i was i don't know i i had some discussion and and i don't want that to sound like i'm talking shit about fishing game because there there's not, some but it's i i was just like it threw me off i'm like if i if we're changing the way we're aging these things you know, if, because some, you know, a bunch of horns got cut and discovered, you know, we've been fooled all along and this isn't a real ring. I'm like, I kind of want to, I kind of need to know about that if I'm, you know, saying, oh yeah, this Ram's eight and he's not really eight, but well, it was just, I, mean, I, I, I think know. that the rule book clearly yeah. shows that that, you know, that's. And we're not talking about the little bulge at like, no, you know, I, I get that. Yeah. And. Even their handout that show, oh, you cannot count the bulge. You know, and I I had two rams that last year were chalked mark. They didn't chalk mark Ryan's ram at that same point. I'm like, yeah. But I did, it didn't care to me. No, in it, in it, like, whatever. and ultimately it's, and I, I felt bad because ultimately it's of no consequence because my ram was legal two ways, whether he was nine or 10. I was just like, you know, you're looking. <coughs> You know, I, I like to be able, if I'm going to look at ages, I like to be able to know that I'm doing it correctly. You know what I mean? And I, I just, I don't think for what a, my personal opinion is that at least all the Rams I've seen myself that have been aged this year have not been aged correctly, you know, yep. for, for what it's worth. You know, I could be, I could be the dummy, but. Um, out of the Fairbanks office. Out, out of the Fairbanks. And I just want to make sure that that's. Yeah. out there yeah so i don't know it's there's some people getting a little fired up about it and i mean i ultimately i just want to know 
I just want to know how to do count it. this one anymore. I just want to know how to do it correctly, the the real way. Which I I just don't see how you could say that's not a ring. And I mean, maybe I'm being a little vague or ambiguous, but uh, you know, learn once I started paying attention to age on sheep. I mean, I always try to f- figure out how old about how old I think they're going to be if I'm going to shoot them, or even if I'm mm-hmm. not going to shoot them, just out of curiosity and. They all pretty much, you know, at least on the hoof, some rams will have short ears here and there. Um, but on the hoof, like you judge those, or I judge those rams by where their rings should be. And the growth segments between winners are pretty much always the Real same, close. you know, like yep. they, they'll vary a little bit, but which is why I, I just couldn't believe they wouldn't give me the, the number two ring on mine. Cause I'm like. Yeah, like it's rubbed smooth on the bottom, but that ring's eight years old, you know. And may, yeah, he may not have. Like, but he had a bulge. He did up. have a yeah, had a little bulge up, up not and, on the lamb tip. It was no back where their pamphlet shows. Yeah, and it, you know, and my ram's not a big ram. He's just genetically a <coughs> tighter, like doesn't have a ton of growth mm-hmm. in those first couple three years i mean but it's still proportional like i can look at that ram or that ram or that ram and those growth segments all look basically the same like your you know your lamb tip to two-year-old is long and skinny two to three it's about the same length sometimes it seems to be longer sometimes it seems to be a little shorter but it starts to fatten up at the at the three-year-old ring and then three to four is significantly shorter usually but it's the first one that's getting kind of fat. Mm-hmm. And then four to five is where they start stacking like normal growth right. rings. And just and that fourth one just is right behind his ear. It's, I, I, I mean, I've looked at hundreds and they're that fourth, it, some of these, these sheep guides that are, you know, they talk about over a hundred kills that they, yeah, that four right behind his ear there. That you, that's a pretty good judge for thin horn rams. That's yeah. going to be your four. So, but, but anyway, yeah, so hopefully we'll get that sorted out. I've been a little, I haven't lost a lot of sleep over it, but I mean, and like some I said, of these guys that may have uh, been counting rings, shooting rams yeah, that way might've been losing a lot of sleep oh, right now. I've been now. losing, losing some sleep. Yeah. I mean, and that's <coughs> the thing is, <coughs> I guess in the field, I tend to err, err on the side of caution. Like the one we killed is, uh. He ended up, he's 10 years old and yep. I'm like, he's for sure eight, maybe nine. So I've, and I've never had one that I've like been like, whoa, that one yeah. wasn't, you know, cause a younger Ram like that, you can, and I, you know, you look just how mature the Ram looks body wise judging them. I mean, long story short, what it boils down to is I don't recommend anyone that's not super comfortable with a shooter ram on age. Not anymore. Especially not anymore. <laughs> yeah. You know, so, uh, but hopefully we I can get some. Clarification. Some clarification it. and some, some education maybe on it. Like I, I'm, I'm like, open to it too. I'm like, I want to go look at a bunch of cut horns, you know, and see, cause I, you know, I know what they're talking about when you cut a horn in half, like not, not, not like in cross sections, but lengthwise, you can see the each growth ring is like a cone. Yep. You know, and that's all. That's the same thing. That's all illustrated in that book there. But uh, 
Yeah. Anyway, that was just a something you're worried about, which something I'd been I'd been a little yeah miffed about. Hey, um, well, they you, you 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 we try to shoot older rams, and when you get a year that's taken off, and you're like, that's not. It's like it kind of goes to heart, you know. Like, shit, did I fuck that up, or you know, I if it's not yeah. okay, I'm I'm okay with that, but. Man, those the things that they did were like not even close, not even close. Yeah, you I know, mean, skipping off that two year mark, it's like. Well, and that and that's what confused me the most because I go home and I'm like thinking about it. I'm like looking at all my other sheep, and I remember you know what they were aged at. I've got chalk marks and, still left in the freezer for the ones that I haven't taken to the taxidermist yet. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I that's yeah. how I was like when I when they skipped that off and they skipped yours. I was like. You know, this two-year one that we're all talking about is very distinct. It's probably the most distinct out of all of them on there. You know, you got the, if the lamb tip is mm-hmm. there, you got the bulge, if it's there. Then you got the, on broomers, that two-year is normally the first one you see. Yeah. So. Or that a lot of broomers break right on that, on that slough two- off on that two-year ring Correct. somehow. And that cone idea where each horn segment is just basically a cone where they've grown out from there yep. and grown out from there, it's a reason why. Yeah, that's why an easy place to break out, you know, off there is that, you know, segmented area. Yeah. There. And, you know, when you <coughs> – I think we take pride in our shooting rams that are not just eight, right? I mean, I do. Yeah, I mean, not to say I'm, I'm above, you know, the, no, I'm the not shooting either. eight-year-old ram that there's something wrong with that, but – it's kind of nice when it's like, you know, like I found, you know, like my ram this year, like he's not, he's not a big ram by any means, but he's a mature ram that ain't going to last another couple yeah. of years probably. I had just the opposite last year. I uh, <coughs> shot this ram and I looked at him and, you know, he's getting really stacked in there and the yeah. growth things, right? And we got down there and I was like, eh, this, I was calling him 10 and you know, the one of the biologists there is like, you know, I was like, what? What do you, I pointed out? And he goes, Oh yeah, that's that's one there. So eleven. So I was like, Oh, happy! You know, I got one more year out yeah. of this ram. Oh yeah, that's eleven for sure. And the other about, oh yeah, there was, you know, consensus eleven. Yeah. You know, when I left the field, I'm like, Oh, I killed a ten year old ram. I'm happy. But when I killed an eleven, that was kind of a another boost in like, oh man, I'm you know. But when you lose that, and Okay, they could point it out. Yeah, that's not one. And here in the rule book, show, but the thing that they're cutting off of every one of these is this one is clearly the two-year mark. I, I'm not a biologist. I don't know how you can argue. I mean, my Ram last year was 11. That was, I mean, I, I've got pictures of all this, and it, you can see the same ring, which is why it was so, like, frustrating to me. I'm like, what? and, you know, like, they're logging data for all this. Well, what good is your growth data going to do if, and, and, and granted, I don't see, I'm not there all day doing it, I so it. I don't know what the percentage is. All I know is every sheep that I've looked at. And you've gotten back. And I've. Yep. Has and mine, been, have, my, I can say mine have the chalk marks still on it. Yeah. Has been a, well, every, you know, it, there seemed to be a distinct change this year. Every sheep I've seen. In the Fairbanks office. In the Fairbanks office aged was. Aged at a year younger than what I put it at, and what you know, it was the ones I've seen. That ring wasn't the one counted, whereas in yeah you know, previous 
that's always been. And I, you know, that bulge and the, the pamphlet they, they sent out, not the rule book, but that pamphlet on, yep. do not count this. That is what I think that they were on this, they were confused. I'm like, that's right here. That's the yeah, bulge. And, that's, and this is the two year. Yeah. You know, I'm like, you tell, you know. I guess that's a dead horse type deal. We've beat him and I know what my feelings are on it. And I just know that if there are guys out there that, you know, take pride in shooting eight-year-old rams out of straight up counting them, and they don't have any issues doing it. And but, man, I you could really get yourself in a world of hurt. Yep. If that's what you did this year, and you brought it. I mean, clearly, I, I for sure. Oh yeah, yeah. So. so anyway, not to like put a damper on the whole <laughs> on the whole freaking thing. Um, but yeah, man, I'm I'm really stoked to see how you do down there, and I'm I'll sure keep you're you gonna, informed on the Iron yeah, Reach. Yeah, do it. I'm presently trying to throw a moose in the freezer right now. Actually, I took Jed out this morning out to our little little family honey hole, if you want to call it. And uh, he was he was pretty. I went out yesterday and it brought some lumber to fix up this little tree stand. Yeah, that's out there, and uh, I think we've killed. Well, my uncle's responsible for most of them. I've killed a couple out there, but like 33 bulls in like 22 years. And this is not the family picnic deal, right? No, no, no. Showed up. No, this is, no, that, that was <laughs> my my dad's backyard. <laughs> but no, I took Jed out there this morning and he did pretty dang good for getting him up at 3.30 and get him all in a snow gear basically because he got a like an eight mile, nine mile four wheeler ride to get out there and then yeah. get up in the tree stand. And we actually bumped a, I think it was a cow when we were walking in. I think she must have been right there by the tree stand, just heard her super foggy run off through the water. And I set him down and said, Stay right here. <laughs> I had to go out and see if I could see if it was a bull or not. And it's like, I'm scared. It might come, in. you know, it's all half dark. And, but yeah, that, that was fun. Then. Let him chase around some spruce ends with some, with his Davy Crockett rifle. Yeah. So that was pretty fun. He's going to be pissed at me when I don't take him tomorrow when he wakes up and I don't have him taking him tomorrow. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I'm kind of kind of sad. I'm kind of sad, but also relieved that sheep season's over. Not me. I'm just beginning. You're just getting started. Yep. yep. But you're a lot more stressed out than I. <laughs> yep. You're for sure. I am very stressed out. Yep. Get that. I don't know. Do you still get that, like, think you're going to puke before, like, as you're kind of taking off? My thing is just, it's something that I look forward to all year. I'm involved with it both personally, you know, and I'm not going to say commercially, but it's part of who I am. You know, I go to these shows. I like, you know, I just like being involved in this sheep hunting uh, group, if you will. Yeah. You know, here in Alaska, we've got, you know, so you're a serious sheep hunter. I am, and uh, you don't have to kill something every year, but I do. It's one of those things. I, the last year of my 14 was my dry year. I, I was, I was pretty sad throughout the entire year, you know, when I. 16 was my dry on, and that was not. It's tough, wasn't it? Yeah. And it was like, I mean, I, I had fun and I still, sometimes I'm like. I should have shot that one when I hit, but at the time, you know, it, it is what it is. It's at the end of the day, 
it's nice to wrap your hands around a set of horns. For sure. And, and uh, I'm not going to be coming out empty-handed. I'll, you know, by passing stuff up, let, oh, it's too small. <coughs> you know, that kind of, I'm, yeah. you know, I'm, if I come out empty-handed, it'll be, you know, the weather or we yep. didn't see anything or, you know, am I going to shoot a dink? No, I will not shoot a dink back in 14C. Yeah. But, um, you know, just a legal ram. I, I want to be clear on that. But um, I do... You know, I'm not, you know, if it ain't 165, I'll be coming home yeah. with my tag. It ain't that type either. Well, and that was the thing, like this whole, this whole bow hiking thing. I don't, I mean, I don't, I don't regret any part of it, but it was, yeah, being a rifle hunter, man, so many times I'm like, I'm like, cause I, I could have killed, I could have killed that ram every single day of the season that I was hunting him. I told I you my feeling got, on, yeah, on the archery. It's 27 O'Connor time. No, I. Oh. my thing is if you got a ram at 30 yards, here's my bow or my rifle. Give me the rifle. Yeah. I don't even want to yeah. shoot a ram with my bow. That's just me, you know. It's, yeah. uh, no, it was it was fun. I learned a lot, and it was it was a lot of fun chasing them around. And One thing I'd ever have is whites with me, which maybe I should have yeah, a set with me. It seemed to it didn't hurt in the one spot where i got busted right up close to him but i did get to learn a lot and and had a lot of fun chasing him around and i mean pretty much exhausted every option and as far as i could you know my abilities yep. and knowledge and stuff like that there's just was it got down to the last hour and there was no way it was happening unless we used the bang stick and <coughs> did it with a smile on my face but no there be proud of it man it's yep. So, the end of the, I mean, you couldn't hunt it anymore. No, no, I, I, that was that or, or you're not going to get a ram this year. Yep. So, or, or if I had a couple days to try, you know, a few days to try and. Are you going to be able to do it with I a was, bow no, then? No, no. So, so it's. No, right. it was, it was good. And that's, I mean, that's all I'll say about my hunt till we get, we get old Dr. Schultz back on. But, uh, yeah, man. Anyway, um, I guess before we take off, was there any, uh, your gear, dude, was there any, like, new stuff you tried this year that you really liked or didn't like? My Kawa scope. I went with a heavy, big Kawa, one of their their 88-millimeter. Yeah, I, was, and, I meant to ask you about that. Ryan had his 90-millimeter Savarsky that he wanted me to – and I gave the client the option. I'm yeah. Like, you would. So we go, <clears throat> no, I want to take mine. I clearly seen a difference. Clearly. See the difference. You like that Kawa? For sure. Yeah. Hands down. Now, what ask me what scope I'm taking on this one. 65 millimeter STX Sawarski. STX? Yep. They're top of the line. If I only have one scope and it's a hunting scope, I consider, I have three spotting scopes. Mm -hmm. I have a compact one that I'm not going to take on this hunt. I haven't mm-hmm. done any scouting or anything like that. If I was on a scouting If you already trip, knew the ram you were after. Right, and, and yeah. I'm just here, okay, that's that one. Or a mule deer or something like that. I have my hunting scope. That is my Savarsky, 65 millimeter. It bridges the gap between that compact and my top guiding scope. Mm-hmm. I'm not carrying a rifle around. I can have a little extra weight. There is a huge difference of having a... 88, 90 millimeter lens compared to a 65. Yep. And I, 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 
I don't think Ryan and I did a comparison right there at the field. I did it between the two hunts. Mm-hmm. There was not even a question on between the two, huh. which one was the one that I would be picking up to go. Yeah. They're both the same damn cost. Yeah. So it's not like I, you know, I'm, I'm not a fanboy of Savarsky because I have a lot of Savarsky stuff or a fanboy of Koa's. I have a lot of their gear. But yeah. in this situation, I... Well, I'm kind of surprised, you know, hearing that. And I've always, I've wondered for a long time. I just never, well, partly because they're that expensive when I was shooting service rifle, I never got one of the of the Koas. But, I, it, you know, they just haven't hit the hunting market like, like yeah. Swarovski and like and Zeiss have. One of their, their, their. Cause they, but from when I started shooting service rifle, every oh, yeah. experienced guy, like the Kawas, what they used on the I range. I don't know why to, that was either. Yeah, so I don't know why they hit, you know, I guess they're big with birders, you know. But, oh, yeah. But why they hit that, you know, high-powered, you know, across-the-course rifle market, but not the hunting. I was all, I always questioned, like, ah, well, are they <coughs> going to hold up to conditions and stuff as well, which obviously. No issues there. Yeah. Dad, you know, I got a cover for mine, but this Savarsky has a little better armor on it, and I get that, but. In all actuality, glass, the optical quality of an 88 millimeter and the Savarsky 90, hands down. Hmm. There, it's, it actually wasn't even hard to, oh, shit, that's, you know, it wasn't. Oh, wow. So. Nice. Um, and that's Savarsky's top end. Yeah. Other gear, um, that was a set of Maven Binos, believe it or not. Yeah. I got a set I've of those. I've been hearing really good things about those. I use them as a... Backup, and I really, really like those. It still doesn't replace my Swaros, but when I got to leave a set of three thousand dollar binos in my tent, when I keep them, you know, that's yeah, or using them for a client that broke theirs, and I don't know how they're going to be with my gear. Having a set of six hundred dollar Mavens is nice, they still get the good, they're good quality, yeah. And um, so those are my main gear things i didn't have a lot um of changes this year to be honest with you i thought that was it and that's a big a a new spotting scope is Mm -hmm. a big deal but that was you know the main thing that i that i had on that aspect so yeah yeah i think i didn't use that much new well that rain gear which has already been addressed um and i think i even talked about to use those loa Alpine Expert GTX boots, a little bit more technical, stiffer. Although, Is that like the same ones that I had. No, those are the Bighorns, I think. No, 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 no. The, the Tibets, the new Loas. The look. I have a set of red. They were red in color. Mine were. They might be. They've changed to a brown. Uh, mine are green. Oh, okay. They, yeah, I don't know. They may be the Mountain Experts or something similar, but I really liked them. Like they're that. Did it take any break in time? Yeah, a little bit. I never got blisters in them, but they did. They did lo- lose some of their stiffness on the first hunt, and were like a little bit more became a little bit more comfortable. Yeah, you know, initially they're like ski boots, like all of them, but they did break in a little bit. But it was it was still a pretty good level of stiffness. Like you could walk a long ways and be comfortable in them, but they had you know like was lacking in the Tibets. You know, for climbing super steep stuff, I mean, you, they've got enough stiffness where you can just bang your toes in and that's it and climb on that. So, 
Um, yeah, I was super happy with them. I think after this bow thing, I might need to build a two twenty. For some reason, I got a hankering to build a cheap rifle and a two twenty Swift. <laughs> I don't know why. I don't know why I brought that up. For some reason, it just popped back in my head. But anyway, yeah, we probably better uh, better let you get rolling and packing. You got to leave here pretty soon. So leave tomorrow. I'll be already be on the road tomorrow this time. All right. Well, anyway, man, good talking to you. Good you catching up, and uh, good luck. Can't wait to hear hear how it goes. Yep, I appreciate it, man. So. Thanks for having me. All right, me man. On. Take, Take care. care. Yep. And uh, if you guys enjoyed the podcast, you can uh, uh, leave a good review on iTunes or whatever platform you listen on. That helps up a bunch and uh, helps out even more if you can uh, sign up to support the podcast on Patreon. Right now, it's uh, just a listener supported podcast. Uh, the shit costs money. And uh, definitely appreciate the help and really appreciate um, all you guys who have uh, are already contributing. So. And finally, if you have any comments or questions, you can email podcast at tundertalkak.com. Thanks.